John Hines in for Chad Hartman this afternoon, joined by a couple of special guests here, you, for both from the uh, editorial board at the uh, Star Tribune. Uh, John Rash, of course, who you hear frequently on Friday mornings with the Rash Report. DJ Tice, who we have a chance to listen to from time to time on the Playing Politics broadcast podcast here at News Talk 830 WCCO. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Thank you, John. And let's talk about a couple... Let's talk about a couple of things close to home, first of all, as we are looking at the uh, closing days of this legislative session, uh, budget negotiations. It, it, it seems, is this like a perennial thing? I'll start with you, John. Is this a perennial thing that they're always going to be uh, gridlock or deadlock as we go forward? Certainly seems like it. And you mentioned the closing days, and I'm sure my colleague DJ would concur that at least in recent years, there's been closing weeks, and we hope that they're not closing months of the legislative session here. And yet, this is happening not at a time of scarcity, but relative abundance in terms of funding for Minnesota. So it would suggest that it's not just the difficult fiscal choices that legislatures and governors often have to make, but a question if not a clash of values and, you know, how they see the state moving forward, how they see the parties moving forward and the next election moving forward as well. And so that suggests that this won't be easily solved. And so I think that it's highly likely that there will be a special session that they'll have to move toward. And given the ubiquity of them in the last several years, I don't know if we can call them special anymore, maybe an expected (laughs) session. Yeah, probably right, John. Let me ask this question of you, DJ, because one of the things coming up uh, and going further than it's ever gone before in the legislature is the idea of a vote, some sort of a vote, uh, at least in the House side of things, regarding recreational marijuana. Uh, What's the likelihood? Well, you know, it depends on whether you mean this year or uh, over the course of time. I I think certainly there is a trend in the country that's become, you know, quite pronounced toward uh, greater liberalization and and outright uh, legalization of uh, marijuana in, you know, many states uh, that you might have been surprised by. So I think it's hard to imagine that Minnesota resists that trend indefinitely, uh, you know, unless there's a, a real sweeping turn of, of sentiment as, as states experience this. But so far, we haven't uh, we haven't seen that. So I going to happen this year. Uh, the reasons John mentions that there's you know, there's still a lot of uh, sort of culture war kind of politics going on over there, and I think this plays into that. And the uh, divided legislature is probably not the one that's going to get it done. But one of these years, uh, soon the uh, DFL may have uh, control of both chambers, and I would think they would get this accomplished uh, fairly quickly in that event. Is this a more pro-DFL uh, effort versus uh, GOP? Uh, same, same, same question, DJ, uh, to extend that. And what makes it so? What makes this a political thing? Well, I think it's just a, a you know sense of 
the groups that are dominant in the parties, the DFL is stronger in the urban areas where there tends to be more support for uh, marijuana legalization, the GOP stronger outstate where there's more cultural conservatism, uh, more resistance to it. I I think it's as simple as that. You know, it's it's an attitude that just kind of goes along with the groups that have aligned with the parties. John Rash. I was going to say, I would quickly add, John, I concur with DJ on all of that. And just to amplify a bit, that the DFL is framing this as well reported in our paper this uh, in recent days here, that this is an equity issue, especially given the disproportionate law enforcement focus on people of color regarding right. the issue of marijuana. And so, you know, that that makes it a bit more of a partisan issue from that perspective. But I think that, you know, there have been a few surprising areas, including South Dakota, you know, that would suggest that there is a growing libertarian streak within Republican voters on ending the prohibition of of marijuana for recreational use. And, you know, as, as DJ quite rightly suggests, it doesn't seem to be happening here in Minnesota anytime soon, especially when they're so far apart on so many other aspects of state governance. And it may take this to happen nationally. But if you look at the polling trends, it's striking how younger people, and not just younger people 18 to 29, but people in their 30s, 40s, even 50s, seemingly strongly favor this. And so as the years go on, it would seem to suggest that the nation is moving more towards this, either in the current patchwork of states that have agreed to legalization or a national bill, which doesn't seem out of the question either. Listeners, uh, a listener texted this to 651-989-9226, this question about the idea if it's legalized, our auto insurance will go through the roof. Somebody said as much as triple uh, the cost. I, I, I don't know that that's true, but um, have you heard anything along these lines, DJ? Well, I do think that one of the concerns that has arisen in, in places where legalization has been around for a little while now, uh, you know, is some increase in uh, in traffic uh, accidents and uh, impaired impaired driving issues. So I don't know about the you know tripling of insurance rates, but but that that is one of the concerns. Uh, you know, that there is a, a fair amount of impaired driving increase that, that follows uh, this kind of legalization. I think that's a, a legitimate issue, and we'll know more about that over time. Uh, it's also it's, it's a difficult thing to enforce, as I understand it, uh, more difficult in some ways than drunk driving because it's harder to test for, especially a roadside test. Uh, you know that is uh, that is reliable and and easily implemented, uh, and you know so that's uh, that's a major issue the impaired driving. I, I want to switch to a, a more national picture, if I can, gentlemen. Chatting with John Rash from the Star Tribune editorial board and DJ Tice. Uh, you can read them frequently at StarTribune.com. It's one of the first places I go when I open up uh, my uh, computer. I go to StarTribune.com to get the. Uh, latest on what's going on. But uh, uh, this question about Liz Cheney, this morning it was very, you know, quick, 
right, right, just like a, a warm knife through soft butter, uh, that she was removed from her position as chair of the Republican uh, gathering in the uh, House of Representatives. Uh, is this all because she simply uh, did not support President Trump? And are, are Republicans so concerned about, oh, we don't want to anger the big guy? Well, uh, yes. <laughs> I think it's a simple answer. Uh, yeah, you know, I think the question that, that is rising before us is, you know, whether the Republican Party can hold together uh, and, you know, get through the uh, the whole Trump era. I mean, he is an apocalyptic figure uh, who's not going to allow uh, people to uh, you know, be neither for him nor against him. He's going to force a choice. That's in his uh, his approach to you know, well, basically every issue that he's encountered in his uh, in his political time. Uh, and Cheney, uh, yes, she didn't. She doesn't go along with his story about the um, election, and she won't shut up about disagreeing with it. I guess that's the other problem. Certainly, there are Republicans trying to keep their heads down and be neither, you know, for be neither endorsing uh, his view or uh, disagreeing with it. I don't think he is going to allow very many of them to get away with that. And the question really is, you know, whether the the party can hold together and, and, and process this whole Trump experience without eventually splitting into a pro-Trump and, and anti-Trump wing. Good, good comment. Let me ask the same question of you, John Rash. Is there a chance that they might, you know, fan out to perhaps a third party? There is like the 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 GOP, the Grand Old Party, uh, the the Democrats, and also the, uh, the 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 Trump Party. Is is that a is that on the horizon, or what do you think? That it's not just a possibility, but a probability that at minimum. There is an effort for a splinter group to form already yesterday, more than 100 prominent conservative voices came together and in effect threatened that they would do that. Now, of course, given, you know, the population of 330 plus million, that doesn't seem like a lot, but their ability to gather others, garner media attention and give the Republican Party a real challenge in terms of being able to win national or statewide elections is quite significant. Meaning if this group were to emerge and were to in 2024 run against either a, you know, incumbent running for reelection in president Joe Biden or vice president Kamala Harris or whatever the Democrats do. And if it were former president Trump on the ballot, if you had this splinter group that was made up of more mainline conservative Republicans, conservative in the, in the truest sense of trying to conserve virtues that are essential for a country and a culture, that you would be able to peel off enough votes that it would make it quite difficult for the Republican Party to take back the White House, let alone some Senate seats and you know even a few seats in the House of Representatives as well. So it, it's a real threat. And in terms of the purge, of Representative Cheney, it was wrong on policy and politics. She was stating the truth, as has been stated by more than 60 
courts across the country at different levels, including many Trump-appointed judges, and simply stating that the election was not stolen. It had been certified, and this is something that Republican secretaries of state in Georgia and Arizona and other prominent hotspots throughout last election have given, have testified, you know, to. And, and um, so she was speaking the truth. She, they actually brought more attention to her message and in effect freed her from having to even attempt to toe the line by jettisoning her. Now, she may not be reelected in Wyoming, but that doesn't mean that she won't have a national voice, even theoretically, if there is an offshoot of the Republican Party. So much more will develop on this. But, um, you know, both parties are having turbulent times, but the Republicans certainly after the last election, are are really facing some significant challenges. I suspect we will see next year uh, a fair number of primary challenges to sort of mainstream uh, Republicans, you know, never Trump-type Republicans, Liz Cheney among them, but uh, others as well. And that'll be a real test of the relative strength of of these factions, uh, which will tell us a lot about where we're headed. Gentlemen, I look forward to reading you. Uh, John Rash, are you writing this week for the uh, Saturday morning edition? Indeed, and thanks for asking, John. And it's the return, partly in person, of the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Film Festival. This got done with a good interview with Will Steger, a Minnesotan we all know and almost everyone admires. And the closing film is about his Antarctic and Arctic adventures and put in context of exploration and environmentalism. So quite interesting. And so I'm going to be writing about that for Saturday. DJ Tice, I will ask you the same question. Uh, what have you got coming up here uh, headed yeah. towards the weekend? Well, thank you for asking, John. Um, I am bringing people up to date on a reform, uh, police reform that was actually enacted a year ago in the wake of, of uh, George Floyd's death. Uh, this is a reform of the arbitration system by which discipline of police officers uh, is are, are appealed and and often are overturned by uh, by state mandated arbitration some significant changes were made in that system uh, last summer and they're just now beginning to roll out uh, some of the first rulings uh, under this new system and I uh, I think that it has the potential uh, to make some real positive difference, and it's uh, something that I think uh, the general public doesn't know enough about. So I'm going to bring them up to speed. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I do appreciate your time this afternoon. Chad Hartman will be back with you next week at News Talk 830 WCCO. Have a great week.